Greetings, greetings, and welcome to another episode of the Help Podcast with me, your friend, Dr. Nasik. I missed you guys. It's been a long time, uh, several months here, everybody dealing with the coronavirus and its effects, dealing with sheltering in place, dealing with trying to adjust to what people are referring to as the new normal. Nevertheless, I feel that it is time for us to re-engage each other. Uh, We need help more than ever. And so let's talk and let's help this go viral. So um, we're going to talk about the thing that is most pertinent and what is most salient on the minds of everyone, which is the coronavirus COVID-19. Now, let's just get into it and be clear that coronaviruses are nothing new. Coronaviruses have been around a very long time. So in addition to compromised immune mechanism responses or what we call the immune system, coronaviruses are the most common cause of flus and colds that are experienced in the United States. And when I say flu, I mean flu-like symptoms, those things that causes respiratory distress or respiratory discomfort usually coronaviruses are like a mild cold Um, and it's similar to other pathogenic coronaviruses that we've seen um, like SARS which was the severe acute respiratory syndrome that uh, we experienced in 2002 and then MERS which is the Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome which we experienced in 2012 And on a side note, as I should have told you before, syndrome is just a collection of symptoms. Okay, but so you have the SARS, you have the MERS and this new coronavirus that we are experiencing now. It was named on February 19th, I believe, February 19th, and it's called COVID-19. So you have the uh, cold for corona. Uh, the V for virus, the D for disease, and the 19 for the year in which it was discovered. But this coronavirus, COVID-19, is is more similar to MERS than it is to SARS as far as its severity, as far as its infection rate. But the thing is, with coronavirus it's not as infectious as something let's say like um the measles right a a person who has measles for every one person who has it they can contract it to 18 other people coronaviruses person who may have the COVID-19 this particular form of coronavirus every one person can infect two people which is still uh, a fairly infectious rate right But the difference with these other pathogenic viruses that we've seen in 2002-2012, with those particular viruses, they were more severe. So you have more people in the hospital and more people um, in isolation because the effects were so severe. So in a way, it was kind of good in the sense that it limited the amount of infection. However, it was still bad because you had people sick, right? And in a lot of pain and distress. With the COVID-19 situation, we're looking at um, it not being as severe 
So people are still moving around with this particular disease. And that aids and accelerates the infectious spread of the virus, right? So it's a catch-22 between it, right? Now, another thing to keep in mind is how the virus behaves, right? So what we do to, to know the specificity of a virus is we look at what's called the S protein or the spike protein. And that spike protein determines the characteristic of a particular virus. So it makes the virus specific to a particular tissue in humans, which tissue that it's affecting or what type of animal it affects. You know, so we do what is called a PCR, a polyamorist chain reaction test, the PCR test to determine what type of spike protein that we're looking at. COVID-19, this particular spike protein makes this virus very uh, specific to the to the bottom of the lungs and it can cause pneumonia in both lungs. Right. So why is that important? It's important because it talks about or it, it kind of gives credence to the mutation of the virus itself. Right. And so what I mean by that is viruses as they replicate, they can actually change and they can um, mutate into different forms. Even now, like w the past flu season that we just had, we think that there's just one type of flu or two type of flus. Well, that's really not the case. There's more than one or two types of flus. In fact, there's over like 1,200 different types of flu viruses due to the mutation. In fact, even one of the most common uh, viruses that we are aware of now, like the H1N1, there's over 400 different forms of the H1N1 due to the mutation, right? So what we've noticed, what we've learned in COVID-19 is that this particular virus has not mutated. The spike protein, according to PCR, is still the same. So it's still the same virus that was identified in December that it is now in early August, right? This virus is thought to be spread by respiratory droplets and it was initially reported that it was an airborne. However, more recent studies show that there are aerosolized RNA in the atmosphere, right? So, which leads that it can um, be somewhat airborne. But let's talk about that. So, usually when you're speaking with someone or you're speaking, you naturally have airdrop, you, you naturally have droplets that are coming, but these droplets are usually like five microns. So they tend to be heavier, so they kind of fall very quickly. Hence the six feet recommendation, because they fall very quickly. But when we're dealing with aerosized, I'm sorry, aerosolized particles, what you notice is that they can be less than five micrometers, which means that they can stay in the air longer and they can, you know, lead up to like 26, 27 feet, but they stay in the air for a longer period of time. And there's been aerosolized RNA found in the air of hospitals. So the, the situation is that when we're dealing with 
aerosolized RNA. So when you talk, there, there's always a mixture, there's a spectrum. So when you speak, you have droplets that are five microns, you have some that are less. But what happens is if you have more of aerosolized RNA, then that means that if the viral is if if the virus is active, if there's active viral RNA, then that means that you can affect end up affecting more people with this COVID-19. Right? But the infection rate hasn't really evolved that much as far as uh, from person to person. So, you know, it's still kind of up for debate whether or not it is strictly droplets or if it's airborne as well. But I just wanted to let you know that both are present, right? But either way, we want to talk about, you know, what we can do to, to help with this particular virus and the disease that is caused by it. But understand something too. Even though it may be caused by droplets and people have different symptoms, people who have COPD and heart problems, they're more susceptible to this particular virus. Here's the issue, right? You have, there was um, an article in, I believe, the, the uh, proceedings, the journal proceedings of the National uh, Science Academy, Nas uh, the National Academy of Sciences, and it came out around July 2nd or July 6th. I have to look at my notes again, but it was early July. And it was showing the pre-symptomatic stages and the asymptomatic stages. So the pre-symptomatic people who, who have COVID-19, that's people who have been exposed to the virus and there's ramped up replication of the virus in the system. And 48% of the people of people are they have they are pre-symptomatic and asymptomatic is people who have been exposed to the virus but they never develop any symptoms and that's about three to six percent of the people right so again these are people who are not necessarily hospitalized they don't have the worst of the symptoms yet they're pre-symptomatic and then they're asymptomatic but that's over 50 percent of the cases so one of the issues that we see with that is earlier you were hearing that you shouldn't go get tested unless you develop symptoms. But according to this new research, the problem is you have 48% of people infected are pre-symptomatic. So again, they are exposed to the virus. There's ramped up amplification or replication of the virus in the system but they don't have the worst of the symptoms yet. Same thing with people who are asymptomatic. They are exposed, but they never develop the symptoms. However, they're still infectious. And that's over 50% of the cases. So it's, it stands the reason that you shouldn't necessarily wait for symptoms until you get tested, which leads to another problem of what? There's not enough testing available. So th there are some things that that needs to change on that particular aspect. Right. And then there are myths involved with uh, preventing and treating this particular virus and the disease associated with this virus. So we have to touch upon, you know, um, things like coating yourself in sesame seed oil. That's not known to be antiviral, you know, um, putting your hand or your body under UV light 
these things are not known to be antiviral. These are myths that needs to be expelled, right? Um, hydroxychloroquine, um, these things, there's been lots of tests to show that hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax and zinc, that combination is not effective when dealing this particular form of coronavirus called COVID-19. There have been studies to show that they've had some success with other forms of coronavirus, other forms of uh, malaria, but this COVID-19, the S protein, the spike protein associated with this particular virus is not affected, effectively treated with hydroxychloroquine and the other things that were mentioned. Now, still, right now, one of the best ways to deal with this particular virus is to social distance, to make sure that your hygiene is proper, that you're washing your hands, um, you know, want to make sure that you're sneezing into your elbows, you know, all of the, the normal hygienic things that you would do to make sure that you are clean are the things that you want to do to help prevent this virus, right? I do want to make sure that you understand how diligent you have to be in wearing your mask in addition to a face shield, especially if you're dealing with the public and those who are in a more vulnerable population, such as African-Americans, Latinos, and other so-called minority groups who have pre-existing conditions, right? You want to have a higher quality mask, you know, an A95, KN95. Um, you can have an N95 mask if you're able to get them. Keep in mind that with the N95 masks, those are more of like a one-way valve. So it may stop you from getting certain uh viral contact but it doesn't it doesn't stop you from spreading it right so my recommendation is always to double up to get a high quality face mask along with a shield you know and that way you know a little bit more protected wear gloves at all times if you can or frequently wash your hands anytime you are near um a um, dispensary that has the the soap or you know has hand sanitizer use it you know, just have that routine, just use it because unfortunately you're going to touch things all the time, whether you want to, whether you are aware of it, you're constantly touching things and, you know, that contaminated surface may do you in if you end up rubbing your face or touching somebody else or anything like that. So wash your hands frequently, wear a mask along with the face shield. And those things are, are very important. More so they are what I call virtue signals. That's what they learned in China. People who wear masks, it, it, it shows to other people that you care, you know, that you're not trying to spread anything. You're not trying to infect anyone else. You actually care. And it, it's a social release of stress. And when you're dealing with any type of pandemic virus in the immune system in general, you want to make sure that you're not stressed. So masks do have their place. And I think that everyone should continue to wear a mask. Um, if you can get, you know, surgical masks or, you know, medical masks, then, you know, great, let's do it. Not everyone can afford those things. However, you know, wear a mask, you know, virtue signal to your people that you are not trying to spread dis-ease. You're not trying to spread this virus, but make sure you still follow the guidelines of at least six feet. 
Now, I would recommend 10 to 12 feet apart, but at least six feet. Wear your mask. Wash your hands diligently. These things play a big role. Right. But now here's the thing. Right. We still want to talk about exactly what a virus is. So let me be clear. A virus is not a living thing. It's not it's not scientifically classified as a living organism. Now, there's some debate in the scientific community about that, but the vast majority of the research and the information does conclude that it's not a living organism. They are a dead cell particle. Uh, it's generic DNA and generic RNA that's coated with a protein called a capsid. So these virons or viruses, they attach themselves to a bacteria cell and then they infiltrate and they compromise the cell of the body. But they can't reproduce on their own. They're not alive. However, the cells in your body, they replicate all the time. So what happens because they're replicating all the time, the viruses have infiltrated the cells and they replicate as the cells replicate. So they kind of attach themselves to the cell. So when the cells in your bodies replicate themselves, they by proxy replicate the virus itself. And that's how the viruses begins to replicate and amp up in the body. And there are many type of viral expressions. You know, this particular virus, as we mentioned, is airborne and it primarily attacks the functioning of the respiratory system. It's primarily transmitted through the droplets, but it's also during like during sneezing, uh, coughing, saliva, or even touching your face and your nose after you touch the contaminated surface, which is why I said to wash your hands diligently. There are a lot of things that we can do from a natural standpoint to help prevent and treat viruses of all types. This particular virus, COVID-19, which primarily deals with the lungs, um, there are formulas that I use that I recommend to help remove mucus and toxins from the lungs, the bronchial tubes and the sinus cavities, um, certain things that create more airflow through the lungs and it totally cleanses the respiratory system. Things such as whorehound and mullen, elecampane, pleurisy, coat's foot, bone set, ginger root. These combination of herbs are very effective when it comes to cleaning out the respiratory system for people who have asthma, allergies, COPD, you know, very, very effective. So that's one of the things that I would encourage people to use to help prevent this particular viral viral infection. And then there are other um, amino acids and vitamins and herbs that I do suggest too, just for helping with any type of viral infections. So, you know, I have things that I recommend like lysine, zinc, they are known and proven to be antiviral. So is olive leaf and oregano and basil and elderberry has shown um, in vitro to stop the replication of viruses, right? So that's very important. Thyme, galangal, partiarco, these are the type of herbal recommendations and combinations that I use for my clients and patients all the time to help them with various type of viral infections. So the combination is very important. You can take them as a standalone, but when you use them in combination with each other, 
they're more highly effective, right? So they're, they're real good at the prevention and the treatment of viral infections. They're specifically designed to fight against a plethora of viral infections. It is designed to inhibit the replication of viruses by working directly on that capsid that I was talking about, that protein coat, and it blocks the filtration of viruses into the cells. It is also used to cleanse the cells of impurities and restoring balance. So, you know, just take the time, research some of those herbs that I mentioned and those mineral ingredients. Um, you can Google them if you need to. And just take a look at the scientific studies and the information regarding their efficacy. You'll see that they are highly effective. But when we're talking about driving the immune mechanism response, you know, the uh, TH1s and the T regulators, those cells, they're very simple things that are tried and true. You know, you want to eat fresh foods. Still, that's still the basis of making sure that your immune cells are functioning properly you want proper sleep six to eight hours of sleep you want regular exercise you know you want to exercise at least an hour or so three days a week and you want to make sure that your sleep schedule is good you want to make sure that your stress levels are reduced no matter what you have to do in your life to rearrange things to reduce your stress level you definitely want to do that you, know, you want to eat green leafy vegetables. You want to eat a primarily plant-based diet with proper food combinations to help drive and protect and balance the immune system, the immune mechanism response. These are things that will assist you greatly in protecting yourselves and others from this new coronavirus called COVID-19. You know, so I hope that I hope I hope that that helps because that's what we're here for to help. But you have to help yourself by applying these things into your everyday life. OK, um, I also wanted to address a question that I did receive at the email. Nasik underscore 21 at Yahoo.com, which is N-A-S-I-K underscore 21 at Yahoo.com. And that question was asking what are some of the fastest ways to burn fat? And I would guess that that question was inspired by some of the quarantine weight that many of us have put on. And we want to know how to uh, get it off that COVID-19 weight. Someone, someone said that they, you know, um, have a COVID-19 stomach. They're pregnant with COVID-19, whatever that means. But um, one of the ways to burn fat quickly is to um, eliminate processed foods okay you want to eliminate the processed foods eat more eat more of a whole food plant-based diet um, to eliminate that fat healthy fats are good avocados walnuts um, almonds you know those things are good they, they burn evenly they burn more efficiently in the system and they help to protect the nerves uh, protect the myelin sheath, um, the immune system. So you want to do that. You want to increase your exercise, increase your water intake. There are certain um, herbs that you can take, uh, certain amino acids like carnitine that you can take to help the burn fat quickly. Um, Hudia, Jimmy Silvestri, Bilberry, which stops the craving for sugar, salt, and fat. 
And from an exercise standpoint, one of the things that you can do, which I highly recommend, is high intensity, short duration exercises, such as running as fast as you can for one minute. And then after that one minute, you walk at a normal pace for three minutes. After that three minutes is over, run as fast as you can again for another one minute. After that, walk at a very even pace for three minutes and do that like 10 to 15 times in a row and then do that for three or four days a week and you will begin to see bat, uh, <laughs> bat. you will begin to see fat burn off fairly quickly. Um, what happens is that when you begin running as fast as you can, for one minute, the body needs that quick energy, so it dumps the fat into the bloodstream. And so when you begin to walk at that regular pace, pace for three minutes, now you're burning off that fat that was rushed into the bloodstream to give you that quick energy. So from an exercise standpoint, you know, things like short, high intensity, short duration exercises works very well with burning off fat. So again, avoid the processed foods, eat more clean foods, whole food, plant-based sources, um, consume more water, you know, exercise regularly, especially those high intensity, short duration exercises. And I think that you will find good success with um, removing fat from the system. But, you know, I love talking to you guys. I love interacting with you guys. Um, on the next episode, we're going to have a, a guest speaker in. And we're going to talk about some more good things to help us out, give us some more health enhancing lifestyle practices. And, you know, we want to live. We want to live. It's not the quantity of life. It's the quality of life. And I want to help you have a better quality of life. And I want to work together with you because without you, there is no me. Right. So we're all in this together. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I hope that you learned something from this episode. Share with your friends and families and anybody that you come in contact with. And subscribe to the Help Podcast. You can do so on iTunes, um, Spotify, every platform where you find your podcast, you will find the Help Podcast with Dr. Nasik. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Coming to you live from nature outside. Have a good day. Peace and blessings.